Weird times, creepy crimes, and unexplained phenomenon. If it's weird and it's in Florida, it's on the SoFlo Weird Show. Here's your host and head weirdo, Mia Lorenzo. Welcome, weirdos. Thank you for joining me. Now more than ever, it seems people are obsessed with the royal family. We love to go behind closed doors of their stately homes to get a good look into their lives, their secrets, and their scandals. Only then do we realize we may just have more in common with them than we think. Although some royals live in the U.S., it is unclear if we have any residing in the Sunshine State, but what we do have are some stately homes. These castles were constructed from the 17th century to the 1980s, and of course, they have that Florida-centric flair. Built from coquina rock, limestone, and even discarded printing plates, we have some pretty weird castles here that are also surrounded in mystery and mayhem. We discuss this history with Zach Zacharias, Senior Curator of Education and History at the Daytona Museum of Arts and Sciences, and my weird contributor, Michelle McArdle. Let's start with Castillo de San Marcos. So what we know is it's the oldest Fort Mason structure in the U.S. It's really known for its craftsmanship. Can you, can you explain Certainly. It's got a very, very long history. And the, the way it came about is really interesting because uh, in around 1668, an English pirate attacked the wooden fort there. Now, by the way, that's the 10th fort. So when this pirate, Robert Searles, uh, he basically attacked uh, and ransacked the town but didn't destroy the buildings. And he, what he did, it was really quite amazing. He intercepted the flower ship that was headed to bring supplies to St. Augustine. And he kept the crew there and he had many of his pirates, you know, on the ship as well, making them go about as if nothing was wrong. So when the all clear was given that, oh, this is the Spanish flower ship here and it's bringing supplies and they're waiting for a favorable wind and the right tides, at midnight, they rode in on smaller craft and they started to basically ransack the town, uh, hold people hostage. But they didn't burn the buildings like previous pirates have done which was interesting, which means they probably were going to come back for a second attack. They stole all the sails and rigging, took all, anybody who was not Spanish, they took them as, uh, uh, as slaves and sold them off. Because they took all the sails and the rigging, word didn't get back to Spanish authorities for months that the town had been ransacked or had been attacked by pirates. Uh, at that point, Queen Mariana V decided that now is the time to build a more serious fortification. And that's when the funds were given to build the Castillo San Marcos. And it was made out of the local stone, the coquina stone that was quarried on Anastasia Island. But it took about 24 years to build wow. uh, this fort or this pentagonal shape or star fort as we call it. And why is it in that shape? Well, it has the bastions and it went, oh, it was built over a series of time with upgrades. So after one attack, then they would build uh, a, a gun deck and vaulted ceilings. It was the common style that you would have seen in Europe. This is what they knew. This is how they knew how to build it. And that's what they did. You know, um, it's called the Castillo de San Marcos, and, and there's been a lot of confusion as to whether it's classified as more of a castle or a fort. I feel like when you look up the different definitions of what a fort or a castle is, it kind of falls into both categories. What would you classify the Castillo de San Marcos? I classify it more as a fort and not a fortress. You know, fortress is usually a fort that goes around an entire city. Uh, it's not really a fortress. It is a fort 
It is a defensive positions and forts are strictly defensive positions. It was there to strictly protect uh, that harbor entrance or from other invading uh, European adversaries and pirates. So uh, to me, it is, it's a fort more than a castle. Now, a castle, they say a castle would, would have been like a residence, and people have lived in there, right? Or were they just the fighters? You know, a castle usually is owned by a, a private person or an earl or a lord, mm-hmm. uh, and it ha- so it has more functions than just as a fort. Right, okay. So that's really some of the differences. This was strictly military personnel there, and you wouldn't have seen the governor living there or right. any high officials living in the fort. Right, right, right. Okay, so let's go back to the architecture and that unique limestone of Cocaina Rock. Um, They say that that was um, uh, really good for fighting. You would think a porous rock like that wouldn't be, but but why? Can you explain why that particular Cocaina Rock was good for a fort? Cocaina stone is a sedimentary rock. It's found in northeast Florida. When they quarry it, they have to let it sit out for a year to three years to let it dry out. So this is one of the reasons why it takes a long time to build something out of Cochina, especially a huge fort like that. But it is a soft stone. And so when cannonballs or any type of shot hits it, it either sunk into the stone or it bounced off. So it was absolutely perfect. And once that fort was constructed in St. Augustine, the town was never successfully attacked again. We're going to move on to Castle Zareda. And from what I understand, Castle Zareda was modeled after a castle or a portion of a castle in Spain. Can you explain that? So a lot of the buildings are modeled after Moorish Revival or Spanish Revival architecture because that stays with the theme of the city. And it's really interesting because, you know, Henry Flagler, when he came to town to build the hotel, the Ponce Leon, He could have easily made a colonial-looking building. Instead, he made this whole fantasy hotel based on Spanish Moorish Revival architecture. For Americans, it was very exotic and very fantasy-oriented. So it had a great appeal to Gilded Age wealthy people that wanted to maybe have this type of European sense to them or European sophistication to them. Do you think that him coming and and doing that kind of influenced the rest of the architecture in the St. Augustine area? Yeah, it sure did because then you all have you have the other hotels and uh, Franklin Smith also built originally what would be the Castle Monica. And uh, even though he was building that castle before the hotel was built, this kind of set the pace because what they didn't want, since you have so many northern people coming down, is homages to the Confederacy or to Confederate right, generals. Because right. that's not going to appeal to people coming down from the north. Because exactly. the Civil War is still pretty fresh in a lot of people's memories. So you don't want to come down to a, a resort and then see generals painted on the walls and any type of homages to that. So this really became a new port of the south. So the, you know, the, the villa is... You know, it's poured crushed coquina concrete, which Smith was one of the uh, founders and inventors of that. And then it went through, you know, then it became a speakeasy at one time later on in its history. And so a lot of these buildings go through a lot of uh, transitions of what their use is going to be. Yeah. I mean, who would ever thought that the, that the Ponce Leon would have been, you know, a, a famous college <laughs> yeah. later in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, we're going to move into Castle Otis. Otis spelt with three T's. Otis spelt with three T's. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that it was like a religious thing, like a like a cross. That could be. Like yeah. Father, so. Son, Holy Ghost kind and of thing? And I know one of the guys that built it, his name was Otis. It is. Otis Sadler is his name. Mm-hmm. 
and and Rusty Ikes is the other builder. And they, they built it from 1984 to 1988. It's basically poor concrete. Started out as basically an art piece, an architectural art piece for, for landscape. It started to go, these turrets started to rise above the tree line. And then the county basically said, well, you probably need to get a permit for this. And they really weren't sure because it was, really wasn't a residence. Mm-hmm. It was a piece of artwork. So they basically classified it as a garage. Uh, so today, it's if you look up the permit, it says garage. So it still very, says it, garage? Yeah, it's a very exotic <laughs> garage. And, uh, you know, it's not a garage, but it is a place of worship, and it was dedicated in the remembrance of, of Jesus. And so what's interesting about it is it's modeled after like a 10th century Irish abbey. And mm. that's that's what it was. So the turrets, they actually, after they built the foundations of the castle and got most of it built, then they started on the interior and building staircases up to the turrets and put in a, a, a pews uh, and pulpit as well. So they do have uh, worship services there. It's open up for different reasons. I, I looked on uh, Roadside America yesterday, and right now it is completely closed. Oh, now, that okay. might be because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so I would, if somebody's interested in going, they definitely need to check out their website to find out if they're going to reopen, when they're going to reopen, and, you know, what are the hours and what's the status of it. Since we're talking about castles, and since we're, since you're from South Florida, we have to put Coral Castle in there. I remember passing it a lot, headed down to the Keys. My dad was a Keys guy who lived in, you know, South Miami. And I used to just marvel at it. And, of course, you know, it was a roadside stop. My parents like, you know, we live in the area. Like, we're not stopping at that. We're going fishing down the keys. <laughs> we're not stopping at that. But as a kid, I just marveled at it. Yeah. And I went to it very recently. And uh, they give excellent tours of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very fascinating. And one of my favorite pieces there at the Coral Castle is they built or he built uh, Edward. Uh, I can't pronounce his name correctly, but Elite Skullman yeah, is the right, best right, I can pronounce it. Right. I've heard the uh, exact pronunciation, and I can barely do it. So I call him Edward Lead Skullman. I love the giant Florida table he <gasps> built out yeah. of limestone. Yeah, that and is And it cool. even has uh, an, you know, a little round hole in it for Lake Okeechobee. <laughs> and then he built tables around it, yeah. and then he built a lectern because he was going to invite the governor down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he would uh, – the governor would be at the lectern lecturing to people around the, that Florida table. You, there are stones there that are way more than – that weigh more in weight than at um, Stonehenge, which is ah, quite remarkable. Okay. Yeah. 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 So And that's the same rock, isn't it? It's the same limestone? It's not coquina, oh, but not, it is oh, okay. limestone and coquina is a type of limestone. I mean, isn't that why it's called coral? It, it, it almost looks like coral when you look at it. If, if you had to describe it, you know, for our listeners, it does look like a piece of coral. It's very rough to the It's to really the rough hewn yeah. stone. And remember, he had built this in another location. And it was a date city and then yes, he moved it. Yes, and he moved then it. Then he added on to it there. You can see the areas where he dug out more mm-hmm. limestone rocks to add on to the coral castle. I think it was 10 cents to get in originally. And, yeah, uh, there's a. I think there's a like a well, carved on the door there. Ten. And he was cents. a little guy. He was like five foot one. Yeah, like about a hundred. Yeah, about a, if if a yeah. hundred pounds. Yeah. yeah. What do you know? Um, what year this was that he would he was charging ten cents for entry? Nineteen forties, I believe. In the forties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, it makes sense that he wanted to move it. Uh, there was a lot of reasons that he said that he wanted to move it because there was a development coming in down in Dade City. But think about where he moved it. He moved it onto US one. Oh yeah, the tourist traffic oh, yeah, heading down yeah, yeah. to the Keys. So uh, he was definitely trying to uh, capitalize on that. Believe it or not, 
Ripley's is actually housed inside of a castle. That's Castle Warren, Warden, correct? Castle Warden, right. William G. Warden was a partner uh, in Standard Oil with John D. Rockefeller and Henry Flagler. And Northeast Florida was a popular place for these wealthy millionaires to come down uh, during the winter months. And he ended up building this huge Moorish Revival home, which we, we call a castle. It looks like a castle. So it was a place for a lot of the social elites who came down to winter there. It has an interesting history as well because it became the very first Ripley's Believe It or Not museum after uh, the Warden family sold it. But also before that, it was interesting because uh, Marjorie Kenyon Rawlings in 1941 purchased it. And she opened it and it was converted from a home to a hotel. And she operated it from about 1940 to about 1947 or so. Uh, and then there was a fire and some mysterious murder there. And one of her best friends was killed oh, in the fire. Oh, yeah. uh, it was uh, a lover's romance that went bad, apparently. Somebody had signed into the hotel named Mr. X. And oh, this was, is a movie. Yeah, this is totally yeah, a does. movie. <laughs> and we'll look at the backdrop you have. You have that incredible building for that. I'm actually looking at the picture of it. It looks like it's three stories high. It's just absolutely yeah. gorgeous. She sold well anyway, Marjorie Kinner Rawlings and her husband, uh, Norm Baskin, I believe was his name. And they sold it to the Ripley family, and it became the first Ripley's Believe It or Not in the country. And now, there's, of course, they're all over the place, a lot of them, a lot of these. And he, he was a winter resident, or he would come down and stay at the hotel. He loved the hotel. And it was sort of like a bohemian hotel because uh, Rawlings had a, like Ernest Hemingway there and Sora Neale Hurston came there wow. and uh, Robert Ripley came there and he loved it and he wanted to buy it. And, and uh, he always stated that he had traveled over 191 different countries in wow. his life and was collecting and decided that uh, this would be a great place. And I believe after he died, the family purchased it and turned it into the museum that it is today. Wow, that is a great story. But it's got a lot of the intrigue where this – Supposedly, Mr. X had come in there to meet uh, Bette Richardson, and there was a quarrel, and he may have murdered her in a lover's quarrel, and then he set fire to try to cover up the evidence, and then in an adjacent room, uh, Ruth Pickering was a very close friend of Marjorie Kinrawls, and she was killed by smoke inhalation in that fire as well. So kind of a lot of interesting intrigue that happened there. You mentioned earlier in this conversation that you have a book out coming out soon about forts in Florida. Can you give us a little background on that and when you're when it's going For to many out? years, I've been uh, working on a book on Florida forts, sort of like a travel book, a little more academic than your average travel book. And it's about the forts you can actually go and see. So the estimates for the historians were roughly around 400 forts. 200 of those alone were just Seminole War forts. Uh, so obviously it would be really hard to cover 400 forts. And there's not a lot of information on some of these forts. Some were just basically depots or stockades with minor defensive positions. Uh, this is the fort you can actually go and see, like the Castillo San Marcos. There's a sister fort to that, the Castillo San Marcos de Apalachi, which is uh, – up in uh, Wakulla County, just about 19 miles south of Tallahassee. Quite amazing. Wow, battles there. Really amazing. Just really amazing. Uh, and it goes all the way down to Dry Tortugas. It kind of goes uh, you know, from Jacksonville down to the Dry Tortugas to Fort Jefferson and then back up to Fort Pickens in uh, Pensacola. 
And so you can uh, learn about Florida history through these forts. And it's a social history. I'm not much into armaments and what regiments were moving in and out of these forts. I'm really interested in what happened there. Some of these forts saw some some action and some nothing, uh, no military action at all. Right. So pretty interesting. Like after 1740, there really was no military action at the Castillo San Marcos. That kind of ended it. Uh, Fort Jefferson, the huge brick fortress in the Dry Tortugas, never saw a shot fired in anger. Uh, but then you go to Fort Pickens and there was, you know, there was a lot of action happening there during the Civil War. So it's really interesting uh, way to look at history is learning Florida history through its, through its forts. And yeah. that's what the book is really designed to do. Thank you so much, Zach, for enlightening us about castles in Florida, um, mostly in St. Augustine. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on. It was awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. That was Zach Zacharias, Senior Curator of Education and History at the Daytona Museum of Arts and Sciences, and my weird contributor, Michelle McArdle, talking about castles in Florida. We'll have an upcoming episode with Zach about forts in Florida. In the meantime, if you want more information about his book, go to SoFloWeird.com. Next, I'd like to share my personal experience while visiting a very interesting castle in Ona, Florida. Now, Ona is located south of Lakeland on Highway 64. Basically, in the middle of nowhere, there's a castle made entirely of discarded printing plates. I had the pleasure of featuring this strange place while filming the Weird Florida television show with Charlie Carlson. I remember we were driving and totally lost on this desolate road. Well, after about the third U-turn, I saw a sign nailed to a tree that said Solomon's Castle this way. You know, it, it just amazes me how people even find this place. The site was actually magnificent. It's a large, metal-looking, 12,000-square-foot castle that had two towers, 80 stained-glass windows, and a boat in a moat. Now, as large as that was, out walks Howard. He's the artist and mastermind behind this metal mansion. Now, he's a man of really small stature that kind of resembled a cartoon character. He wore a plaid fisherman's type hat and had this soul patch beard, white hair, and honestly, he couldn't have been more than 120 pounds. He was quick-witted and had a personality that could fill a room. You know, a real pro with the one-liner jokes. Now, he has hundreds of art pieces in his castle, and they're all made from, like, recycled or upcycled materials like beer cans, oil drums, and even car parts. So to give you a little bit more insight, I've pulled a clip of the TV show, which features Charlie Carlson interviewing Howard. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar, Weird Florida was a documentary produced for WLRN Public Television where Charlie traveled the state with his canine companion, Miss Scarlet, and they were in search of weird places and wacky people. Miss Scarlet seems to have picked up a royal scent. I think she's on the trail of a king. Every castle has its king, and I found the king to this castle, the Da Vinci of debris himself, Howard Solomon. Hi, Howard. Hi. And you built all of this stuff by yourself. You're quite an artist. Well, they also call me the Rembrandt of Reclamation. Oh, I can see why. Or the Wizard of Odds and Ends. And this place is built out of junk. Yeah, I'm the savior of salvage. Savior of salvage? <laughs> I wonder if you could show 
us inside your castle at some of the artworks that you've made. Well, so, I'd be glad to. Oh, great. Let's yeah. go do it yeah. then. Okay. This is the first flower child. That's a Volkswagen cylinder head. His rich uncle was made out of a BMW. <laughs> There's over 300 pieces of art in this place, all made from junk. In, in 1968, I made close to 300 beer can cars for breweries and beer distributors. That was my alcoholic period. <laughs> See, I didn't know if I was coming or going. This is Evil Corn Evil. It's made out of an old farm implement called a corn planter. I started out with this and I rearranged the parts and I named it Evil Corn Evil. It's a failure as a motorcycle, but I'm going to build 30 of them and leap over them in a Winnebago. <laughs> You've got quite a weapons collection here. Yeah, that's the gangster gun made out of a bumper jack and half of a hacksaw. It's called a hacked-off jacksaw. Where, where are you going to go on this boat? I mean, it's sitting in the... Uh, you got a moat here? We're, we're waiting for a flood. Oh. Then I'm going to get two women from Michigan, two from Ohio, two from Indiana, and wait for 40 days of rain. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, Miss Scarlett. Goodbye, Howard. Well, this is a weird thing. I tell you, I've never seen anything like this, Miss Scarlett. This, this is marvelous. That clip was from WLRN's original production, Weird Florida Roads Less Traveled. Now, if you're interested in watching the show, you can always go to our website at soflowweird.com, where we have a link where you can directly watch it. Or, better yet, Go to video.wlrn.org and you can explore more WLRN original documentaries. Next, we dive a little deeper into Ed Leed Scalman's backstory. Now, remember, he's the creator behind Coral Castle in Homestead. This is an excerpt from Charlie Carlson's book, Strange Florida 2. Coral Castle, Florida's Stonehenge. Coral Castle in Homestead is a must-see for folks who like weird places. Coral Castle's mystery is really about its builder, Edward Leitzkalnin, who stood only five feet tall and weighed a mere 100 pounds. This frail man single-handedly built a megalithic marvel out of tons of coral rock as a monument to his lost love. Ed was born in Riga, Latvia in 1887, and after being jilted by his 16-year-old bride, he came to America. After working as a logger in the Pacific Northwest, he moved to Florida for health reasons and purchased land in Florida City. He began quarrying and carving coral rock and built a huge monument to his lost love, whom he called his Sweet Sixteen. Ed worked in total secrecy, and no one knows how he was able to carve, move, or place 1,100 tons of coral blocks without mechanical assistance. Ed claimed to know the secrets that the Egyptians used in building the pyramids. A couple of young boys who spied on his work one night claimed that Ed would hold his hands above the big blocks and levitate them into place. What is most bizarre is that when Florida City became too crowded in 1936, Ed dismantled and moved the massive structure to Homestead, where today it's a tourist attraction. It was first called Rockgate Park, and the average block weighs nine tons. When the huge nine-ton gate required repairs in 1986, it took a 50-ton crane to lift it. Yet Ed had placed the gate into position by hand so that the mere touch of a child's finger would open it. In 1951, 
Ed Leedskalnin took his engineering secret to the grave, a secret that still baffles visitors to Coral Castle. Know of a weird place or have a weird tale to tell? Go to SoFloWeird.com. If you want more strange Florida stories, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit us on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Mia Lorenzo. Thank you for listening to the SoFlo Weird Show. Special thanks goes to our weird announcer, Joe Johnson, and Michelle McArdle for promotion and production assistance. This has been a Sideshow Charlie production inspired by Florida's master of the weird, Charlie Carlson. Stay weird, everybody.